Hi, and welcome to the first Two Dudes Talking Disney podcast. I'm Tony. And I'm David. And we'd like to thank you for letting us into your life, whether you're listening to our audio podcast in the car, while you're at the gym, working out, maybe going out for a walk in your neighborhood. Uh, you know, thanks for bringing us along. Thanks for sitting down with us. And uh, we're going to be talking to you about all things Disney. A little bit of Star Wars, a little bit of Marvel, Disney parks, Disney movies, anything in the Disney universe is open. Sure is, Dave. Um, so as I mentioned, I'm Tony. I'm uh, 48 years old. Uh, two daughters, Isabel and Lily, married to my wife, Cheryl. Uh, been a Disney fan since 1971 was my first visit to Disneyland. Uh, my father was in the Navy and stationed out in California. My wife and I started dating in the late 90s. Uh, after she graduated from college, we took our first trip as a couple to Disney World. Uh, we've been going back pretty much multiple times a year ever since. Uh, our girls have both been uh, more times than they probably care to have actually gone, but uh, we keep going back because we enjoy it. Um, also a nine-time veteran of the Disney Cruise Line. Um, really enjoy that as well, starting to enjoy that more than the parks. So uh, that's a little bit about me, and I'm going to hand it off to Dave. Good evening, everyone. I'm David. I'm, uh, what am I, 37-ish? Yeah, 37-ish. Uh, I've been going to Disney all my life. You know, like Tony, our, our parents were very... Uh, instrumental in, in making the trek it was truly a, a griswold type vacation back then as as most of you remember it was always driving you barely ever flew but our, my parents took me twice a year growing up and then uh, i took my wife on our for her first trip in 1999 and uh, at this point we've actually been to disney so many times that when you look us up in the computer system there's no number for number of times we've maxed out I have a 14-month-old daughter amelia she's already been on her fourth disney trip hopefully her fifth in november and uh, really excited to do this. Uh, so I'll turn it back over to you, Tony, for some news. All right. Thanks, Dave. So uh, I don't know. We're going to play with the format, our first couple podcasts, kind of get our feet wet, see what we're doing. But uh, we'd like to start off with some news uh, around the Disney uh, universe and uh, some big news down in Walt Disney World at the Boardwalk Resort. Uh, the Flying Fish uh, has reopened uh, on August 3rd. Uh, it used to be known as the Flying Fish Cafe, but it's uh, undergone some redesign. Uh, they're bringing back, uh, or bringing bringing a new open kitchen uh, format, uh, and the dining room has been redesigned. They've also got space for private events to be held. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the frying fish, frying flying fish. I, uh, as a DVC member, we own it to the boardwalk, so we, we stay there pretty much the majority of the time now. I like the boardwalk due to the location, proximity to Epcot and Hollywood Studios. It's one of the few hotels that you can walk the two parks through. And the flying fish has always been a staple. The flying fish cafe was. And with the Flying Fish Cafe, uh, opening next to it is the Abracadabra Bar, nestled between the newly imagined Flying Fish and the... Tr uh, Trattoria Al Forno, Dave. Yes, yes thank you. Let the, let the Italian guy yes, pronounce the say, Italian restaurant. Yeah, probably. Uh, formerly home of the Seashore Suites, it was a little bit of a, uh, an uprising when they announced that the Seashore Suites would be closing, but they opened the... Uh, I blew it. I can't remember the name. The uh, They opened the new ice cream location on the boardwalk right next door. So that's uh, been up and running since about August. I actually caught the soft opening of that. I hit it every time we went by. They were giving you free ice cream. How can you say no? You can't beat free in Disney, no, that's for no, sure. It doesn't happen often. No. So uh, the Abracadabra Bar, it's a soft opening. It's bringing you back to the golden age of magicians. And unlike most theme bars on property, there's no food here. And the, the theming is it's supposed to be a hangout for magicians back in the day, which, by the way, was a Tuesday. 
So uh, I'm looking forward to heading there too. Excellent. Sounds good. Uh, Typhoon Lagoon, uh, news out of there uh, this week that uh, in 2017 they're going to be debuting a new ride uh, called Misfortune Falls. It's going to be a family-style ride raft attraction, which will open up uh, to their previous new attraction, which is... Crush and Gusher. Crush and Gusher. One of, one of our favorites, uh, family raft ride, a uh, uh, little bit like the uh, what you get on the cruise line. It's a water coaster, jet-powered water coaster. Um, we really enjoy that. But Misfortune Falls uh, going to be a two-acre piece of, of property uh, and uh, scheduled to open next spring. I'm excited about it. You know, I'm a big fan of the water parks. I remember River Country. Can't go there anymore because of flesh-eating amoebas in the water. It is Florida, swamp water. But uh, Typhoon Lagoon and uh, Blizzard Beach, the two water parks on Disney property. Typhoon Lagoon is my favorite of the two. I like the wave pool, number one. You could actually take surfing lessons on the wave pool. Waves are high enough. And, of course, who doesn't like swimming at Shark Reef? Snorkeling with sharks. I'm a scuba diver myself, so I love being in the water and being around all that marine life. It's a lot of fun. That uh, that tank is always cold when you go in there, though. It's uh, I, I thought sharks like warm water. Apparently, these ones don't. They're more of a cold water shark. There you go. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna pop over onto Disneyland. David's uh, David's got more time in Disneyland recently uh, than I do. He's a he's a big runner. Uh, so I'll let him give you a little bit of up, an update as to what's going on over there. All right, so uh, Disneyland, as you know, the original of, the, of all the parks, of all the Disney properties in Anaheim, California. It was opened in 1955. Right now they're winding down their 60th anniversary diamond celebration. Uh, it's, it was a very exciting time to go there. I've actually been there three times about the past year and a half for three-run Disney events. I ran the Marvel Avengers Half Marathon. In two years in a row, I run the Star Wars Rebel Challenge, completing a 10K on Saturday and a half marathon on Sunday. We uh, do have some news out of Disneyland. They are getting rid of their very popular Paint the Night Parade. There's rumors that it is, might be heading east. As uh, If you take a, the history of Disney, the Electric Light Parade did the same thing. When they packed it up, they shipped it out to Disney World. So that would be very exciting. Although my wife's very upset, being a big fan of the Electric Light Parade. Disneyland Forever and the World of Color Celebrate will also conclude on September 5th, 2016, again, as the, the 60th anniversary winds down. It's amazing how uh, their celebrations are always uh, 18 months. So we celebrate the 60th year for about a year and a half. Yeah, you got it. It gives, you, you know, it gives the guests more time to get to the park and spend money. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, with, with the conclusion of those, uh, those attractions' uh, performances... Uh, Disney will be bringing back their classic Fantasy in the Sky uh, fireworks show, and uh, that'll be in Disneyland Park uh, beginning September 9th on weekends and will continue through mid-November, at which point they'll uh, start their, their Christmas show uh, fireworks. Um, news out of the Disney Cruise Line. Uh, Disney Wonder is going into dry dock for some uh, reimagineering, and uh, when they come back from Spain, uh, their November 10th cruise out of Galveston uh, will debut the new Frozen musical, uh, which is a new stage show uh, on The Wonder. I mean, that's just, when I'm on a tropical cruise, I just want Frozen. I mean, that's, you know, while I'm laying out in the sun, I want to think about snowmen and ice. Well, you could sing, uh, you know, songs about summer, like, like Olaf. Um, they'll also be adding uh, some stuff to the Oceaneers Club, uh, Marvel Superhero Academy. They're going to be opening up a uh, French Quarter supper club called Tiana's Place Restaurant, themed after uh, the Princess and the Frog. 
um, opening up some new pubs, uh, redesigned spa. Uh, Animators Palette's going to get the uh, Drawn to Magic show um, and Animation Magic, which uh, is currently on the Fantasy. Um, and the Bibbidi Boppity Boutique is going to get a makeover. And, um, you know, this is all to give the cruise line guests a little bit of uh, something to look forward to while the Disney Cruise Line uh, works on getting their new ships uh, ready. Uh, they announced earlier this, earlier this year that they'll be bringing on two ships in 2021 and 2023. So uh, that's it for news. Um, kind of what we're going to do each week is just pick a topic. We might, uh, you know, chit-chat about it and, and riff on it. And uh, we thought that today we would talk about, uh, you know, Walt's second theme park. Um, after he opened Disneyland in 1955, uh, they did some surveys, which uh, they're still doing to this day. Uh, you know, Disney is, is the king of surveys. Um, and they realized that uh, only 5% of all visitors to Disneyland were from east of the Mississippi. And uh, east of the Mississippi was actually where 75% of the United States population was uh, in the mid-50s. So while Walt decided that it was time to build a second park, and, uh, you know, he had Imagineering work on some plans, and uh, that's how they came up with Walt Disney's Riverfront Square. Now, and I know what many of you are saying. You're saying, hey, that, that wasn't the second theme park. Well, that's, that's what they had uh, come up with. And uh, this park was going to be located in St. Louis, and, uh, home of the Arch. Home of the Arch. It's going to be right down from where Bush Stadium was. Uh, even though Bush, the Bush family, was a major beer distributor, uh, Walt was going to hold uh, to his philosophy of not selling alcohol in the parks, and Augustus Bush thought that uh, Walt was crazy for doing that. And uh, it, kind of an interesting concept. Uh, St. Louis, not known for its uh, year-round sunny climate, um, was going to be an indoor attraction. Uh, five stories tall, uh, going to have light uh, to simulate uh, various lighting sequences to simulate night and day. Um, and uh, they were estimating that 25,000 visitors a day would, would uh, walk the halls of this second park. Um, we got a lot of rides out of it uh, that were conceived for that. And if you uh, want to give yeah. us some of those, Dave. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, the Haunted Mansion. There was actually a Western riverboat ride that was designed and that was as you know st louis gateway to the west it was kind of morphed later on into big thunder mountain railroad uh, and and the the idea of an indoor disney theme park eventually would take off several decades later in disney world when they decided to build the disney quest interactive theme park which is now located in disney springs formerly downtown disney formerly the disney village and so on and so forth and uh, there actually were two other locations of uh, Disney Quest in Philadelphia and uh, Chicago. Correct. Um, uh, it was not in, in New Orleans, or excuse me, St. Louis was not the only location that Walt had scouted. Obviously, history now tells us it, Central Florida was one. But uh, one time, too, the Disney Company also looked in the area around uh, Virginia, Washington, D.C. for the possibility of building another theme park there. Again, an area not known for its year-round warm climate. But uh, as we are talking about the second park, uh, you know, I thought we'd give you a little trivia about, uh, about uh, Riverfront Square. And uh, Walt finally did settle on the Magic Kingdom, um, and uh, the team went to work after Walt's passing, and uh, they came up with the Magic Kingdom, uh, which opened on October 1st, 1971. It's coming up on its 45th anniversary. Uh, I'm going to hit you with some fun facts. It's going to be... Uh... A little segment we'll do here. Cinderella's Castle, the, the main icon of the Magic Kingdom, comes in at about 189 feet tall. You know, David, it looks a lot taller than that. It does. It's actually uh, 
a, a type of construction that the Walt Disney Corporation uses called force perspective. Basically what they do is as the floors get higher, they shrink the size of the common objects that you see, like windows, doors, different shades. And what that does is it actually forces your eye to focus on it in a different light, making an object appear taller than it really is. Yeah, but why not Why not just build it, uh, you know, 250 feet tall? Uh, they're, they're dealing with regulations. And as you know, the, the Walt Disney Company likes to control everything. And the biggest regulation they've dealt with is the 200-foot rule by the FAA. Any building taller than 200 feet is required to have warning lights. That's why buildings like Cinderella's Castle, Spaceship Earth, even the Tower of Terror are designed to keep them under that height limit so they don't have to plaster warning lights all over the buildings. Uh, if, you, if you jump across the pond and you compare Cinderella's Castle to Sleeping Beauty's Castle, Sleeping Beauty's Castle is actually only 77 feet tall. I could actually remember when I took my wife to Disneyland for the first time and coming around the corner in Main Street and seeing the castle and the, almost the disappointment of that's it because standing in front of Cinderella's Castle and going to Sleeping Beauty's Castle is a, a much greater perspective of height. Another uh, fun fact about Cinderella's Castle that people like to, to think about is how much concrete is used to make Cinderella's Castle. And Tom, do you know how much? I believe it's none, Dave. It is true. There's none. It's actually made by mixtures of, of foam and steel and other materials, but there's no masonry in the castle, which actually led to, uh, several years ago, there was actually a pretty funny lawsuit where a woman sued the Walt Disney Company claiming that a piece of concrete fell off of Cinderella's Castle and injured her. And obviously it was thrown out of court when the Walt Disney Company produced the fact that there is no concrete in the construction. Some other things we'll talk about about the, uh, the opening of, of Disney World. At the time that the resorts opened, at the time that the resorts opened in 1971, it was obviously much different than what we see today. The only park was the Magic Kingdom. As far as the resorts, in 1971, the three main resorts were the Polynesian Village, Disney's Contemporary Resort, and Fort Wilderness Resort. As time went on, more resorts were added to what's known as the monorail loop, if you will, in the monorail area. In 1973, they opened a golf resort, which later morphed to the Disney Inn. And then in 1994, it was sold off to the Department of Defense as the Shades of Green Resort. It's exclusively for military members and families. Grand Floridian joined the lineup in 1988. And the last resort to hit the Magic Kingdom area was the Wilderness Lodge in 94. Now, everyone at home is going, well, that's not true. If you want to be technical... Yes, over the years they've been reimagined, they've added vacation club rooms, but those were when the main resorts opened. Thanks, Dave. You know, there, there have also been a lot of changes in the park uh, over the years. Um, Walt's concept uh, of, of Disneyland was that uh, nothing was ever uh, completed uh, and that there would uh, always be change. Uh, you know, there's always a lot of people who, who don't want to touch the classic rides. They, they don't want change. You know, Carousel of Progress has become a, a seasonal ride, and there's always rumor of it closing. But then you get those who say, well, you can't close it because it was part of the World's Fair work that uh, Walt Disney Enterprises did uh, for the World's Fair in the, in the 60s. Um, but, you know, uh, change happens, um, sometimes for the better. Uh, sometimes not, uh, you know, poor Figment over in Epcot, which we'll, we'll, got a raw deal. which, uh, <laughs> which we'll touch on when we get to our, our Epcot, Epcot weeks, uh, which will be our next uh, podcast. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we've seen changes, uh, like I said, for the better. Um, you know, my first trip to Disneyland, uh, Disney World, uh, you know, we waited in line. And, uh, you know, many of us are, are familiar in, in waiting for an e-ticket attraction, and, and those were usually your longest waits. And, uh, you know, they, they changed that. Uh, they brought in the, the original FastPass system, 
which I thought was great. Um, gave you the opportunity to reserve your spot on a ride for a later time. And uh, FastPass has morphed now into FastPass Plus. Uh, FastPass Plus is, is 28 plus attractions. Um, and, but it's more than attractions these days. It's, it's not only rides, uh, it's character meet and greet opportunities and uh, special seatings for parades. So, uh, you know, that change has been good. Um, really, really nice thing to, to not have to wait in line on, on three rides uh, the, per the day. The only downside, Tone, is the, the, the connection to your cell phone. You know, as we know, the, the My Magic Plus, uh, My Disney Experience app that you download to your phone, it requires you to, to be on vacation but be connected to your cell phone. Batteries become a problem. Disney's com combating that problem. They've got charging stations all over the place. They even have the new uh, charging systems in the parks where you could buy the, the individual chargers. But uh, that, that is one downside, if you will, to the new system is the, the, the marrying to your cell phone while you're on vacation. A lot of people, when they go away, you want to put the phone away. You want to be free of all of the, the, the binds of modern life and technology. All right, and you see people walking around, you know, looking down at their cell phone. Nobody really pays attention to anything. Uh, you know, Imagineering, you know, a lot of the design of the park, there's a lot of what the Imagineers call uh, weenies, uh, you know, points to look at, you know, interesting pieces of architecture. Um, and, and you really miss that if you're, you're just keyed in on your phone. But uh, speaking of phones, um, I, I don't know, Dave, uh, are you into the, the new Pokemon Go craze? I, I am not. I, You're uh, not. I'm not. No. Well, you know, I, I, some guys at work are doing it, so I did it. And uh, Disney has actually made their foray into augmented reality games. And there's a new game based on Star Wars Rebels, uh, which you can do at Epcot. Um, and it's, you know, an augmented reality game. Uh, you do it through, um, I, I believe, Disney Floral. Hollywood Studios, Dave's informing me, I'm, my apologies. That's okay. um, and uh, it's not cheap, it's a uh, $499 option uh, to add to your package. At that uh, point package. it might be cheaper to build your own Death Star. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, and no boffins have to die exactly. uh, to get those plans. And so, we can't make a movie about it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's a little bit about the history of the Magic Kingdom. And, uh, you know, Dave and I just thought we'd, we'd give a little bit of our, our input now and some of our favorite stuff. And, uh, you know, we've got faces and bodies that are definitely built for an audio podcast. Uh, so we like to talk about food a lot. So uh, I'm going to ask Dave, you know, what's what's your favorite snack uh, oh, when you're in the Magic Kingdom? My, my favorite snack anywhere in Disney is the Dole Whip. I mean, it, it's to me, that's just, I'm in Disney. I have my Dole Whip. Uh, opening up a second Dole Whip location in the Polynesian you know, was, was definitely a game changer in my Disney trips. I could enjoy it in two locations. I don't know yet how I feel about the change in location, though. You know, the Dole Whip was uh, original when the park opened. They had the, the kiosk there right outside the entrance and exit to the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. And now they've moved it in Adventureland over to Beyond Aladdin. I understand that demand was up. People were, the line was long every time you went, so they tried to, to move it to a bigger venue. But it's one of those things that, that I just look forward to every time we go. Nice uh, that's the old, the old Sunshine Terrace? They, yes. They, they flip-flop flip location. Yeah. So the, the Sunshine Terrace is now located in the old uh, Dole Whip location. Yeah. Uh, at, more towards the entrance of Fantasyland. Uh, Fantasyland. Adventureland. And that was just a big, you know, you said the lines got long. That just really, uh, you know, made, made it tough to get through there. Um, Don't even so. make me go on. I'm taking away the bridge, too. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, it still bothers me. You'll you'll get over it. Change change is good, Dave. Um, my my favorite snack uh, across all Disney resorts is pretty much the uh, Mickey bar. Uh, I know it's not unique to the uh, Magic Kingdom, 
but uh, there, there's nothing like biting into a, a fresh Mickey bar. Um, on the cruise, uh, you know, it's a nice little treat to order uh, uh, chocolate chip cookies and uh, Mickey bar from room service. The cookies are delivered uh, hot or, or at least warm. Uh, so you can actually, there, there are people who will make an ice cream sandwich uh, with a Mickey bar and uh, two chocolate chip cookies. Um, I won't say I get that decadent, but uh, it sounds like a... It's like a very high end for us, it sounds yes. like. Yeah. Um, so how about uh, your top three favorite uh, Magic Kingdom rides? Uh, it, it's a difficult list. You know, there, there's a lot of classic Disney attractions, and, and growing up, going to Disney, a lot of them have different memories, different different places. But uh, I, I don't know. I'd have to go uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, classic Disney attraction, with uh, the Jungle Cruise being in there second, and then over to the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, I uh, I second that Haunted Mansion. Uh, not only is it a, a uh, you know, a, a, a cool ride, but it's actually a cool ride. Uh, and on a nice hot Floridian day, um, it's it's nice to get through uh, and, and enjoy the, the coolness of the Haunted Mansion. Um, I'll tell you one ride that's not my favorite and uh, almost for a number of years scared me from doing thrill rides was Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which has left the Magic Kingdom. Uh, it's still out in Disneyland. But uh, my father took me on it in Disneyland, and uh, there's one scene where a, a train comes at you. And, you know, being four years old, I, I thought it was a real train. I was scared. Uh, so I, for a number of years, did not ride roller coasters. Um, much to my wife's chagrin, because she would have to do single rider line. Um, however, now that I've got two girls, I'd have to say my, my second favorite ride uh, is now uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Um, my girls, you know, we're at a point now where the girls are, are all riding roller coasters, um, and it's nice to go on as a family. You know, they pretty much shamed you into it. They, huh? they, they shamed me into Come it. Come on, Dad, let's go. Uh, you know, I was always willing to stay back uh, with the kid who didn't want to ride the roller coaster, and then one day, you know, she said, "Yeah, let's go on it." And at that point, I had to dad up, and uh, you know, take a seat. Dad up. That dad was, that's up. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had to put on my big boy pants and, and get on. Now, personally, uh, I know I know you're a backseat guy. You like the, uh, the roller coaster from the back for the That's extra G-forces. I'm a, I'm a big front seat guy. As I said, I don't really like the thrill rides. Um, I like to hang over the edge uh, while the rest of the cars are coming up the lift hill. Um, you know, I don't really want the, the whipping action. But, uh, you know, the girls are happy now. We get so to ride as a family. You're not dadding up all the way, obviously. Well, no, I'm, 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 like, I'm learning to like enjoy that. it more. I'm learning to enjoy it more. And uh, my my third favorite ride, I'm going to go with a new ride. And uh, I'm going to say that the uh, Seven Dwarves Mine Train, uh, which is part of the new uh, and expanded Fantasyland, which opened a few years ago. It's not that new anymore. Um, But it's a a family roller coaster. uh, Not as intense as Big Thunder Mountain, although it does have some fun moments. Uh, But it also uh, contains elements of a classic Disney dark ride. Um, the animatronics, uh, I, I think, are, are very cool. Um, you know, the face, the way they do the faces in the mine, uh, very fun and interesting to see. Um, so those are those are my three rides. Uh, you know, real quick, we'll just touch on on dining. I know we touch snacks, but uh, do you have a favorite place to eat when you're in the Magic Kingdom? Uh, as far as a sit down, I, I feel that the Magic Kingdom actually has the weakest sit down selection. So. Uh, I agree. I think the best the best sit down option in the Magic Kingdom is to just walk outside and go someplace on the monorail. I agree. It, it is. It's rough. If you you know, I mean, I've eaten at a lot of them. I, I definitely 
I, I you know I eat regularly at them at Tony's and the Crystal Palace and uh, the I'm blown it Tony. Uh, Liberty Tree. Liberty Tree, and then you have the new Skipper's Cantina, which I I really enjoyed that. But again, I, I think your best option is to, to jump on the monorail and head somewhere else. All right, so uh, I'll agree. I'll, I'll say uh, you know if I'm in the Magic Kingdom resort area, um, I'm a big fan of uh, going over to the Polynesian and uh, you know dining. Uh, I, I like Ohana's. If, if I'm committing suicide by food, it's going to be at Ohana's. Yeah. And yes, I definitely think Ohana's is some place you can just go and gorge yourself. And it's it's meat. It's on a stick. We're two dudes. Dudes like meat. Yes. So uh, you know we're we're almost in heaven. And uh, and we, we definitely just crossed the barrier there. I, I, I think we did. <laughs> um, so we're we're nearing the the end of our our chat here, and uh, we'd like to thank you for joining us. But we have one last segment that we'd like to do, and that is our fan question of the week. I will. Uh, we will thank Matt and Nikki. They're from Orlando. Convenient. And uh, they're, they're loving the preliminary podcast teasers, so we're hoping we can keep it up. And their question for the two dudes is, if Darth Vader were to go up against any classic Disney villain, is there one who could defeat him? Maybe Ursula from The Little Mermaid? Darth Vader, I think, would struggle with the underwater battle landscape. So, Tone, I'll, I'll let you, uh, you go first. What's All your right. thought on that? All right. Well, you know, uh, Matt and Nikki, thanks for your question. Uh, they did mention classic Disney villains. Um, so Ursula, kind of uh, the, the new age uh, of Disney animation uh, villain. So I started thinking of the classic villains, and I'm thinking that, you know, the Evil Queen, Stromboli, Lady Tremaine, Queen of Hearts, Captain Hook, Cruella de Vil, uh, even Shere Khan from The Jungle Book. You know, these villains are nothing more than notches on Darth Vader's lightsaber. Uh, you know, they don't last that long. Agreed. I mean, Hook does have sword fight skills, but he's not going to stand up to he, a he's no show. He's no Jedi, right. no. And, you know, then I said, okay, you know, they, they mentioned Ursula. So I went into some of the, the new era villains, and uh, I, I thought there might be three that, that could give him a little run for his money. And yes, Ursula is in that list, uh, as was Dr. Facilier from uh, Princess and the Frog. Uh, as well as Hades uh, Ooh, from it's Hercules. A, it's funny you say Hades because that's my choice. I, uh, I feel that out of out of the the newer, if you will, age of Disney villains, that Hades might be. I mean, Lord of the Underworld. You know, they, they might actually become best friends. It, true. They could build bunk beds, and the next thing you know, they're best friends. He's Lord of the Underworld. He's a god. Um, my feeling on on those three was that uh, all three of those villains involve magic. Uh, the Force is kind of a magic. Um, but I think when you when you get down to it, you know, even Ursula underwater, the force, you know, Vader Vader has force choke, uh, force push, uh, force choke is a little tough. I was talking to a coworker today, force choke. Um, you know, Ursula is an underwater uh, dweller. She doesn't necessarily use her throat. She's probably breathing through gills. I don't know how force choke would affect gills. Uh, thanks, Craig, for that one. But um, you know, I I don't think anyone lasts long against Vader. I, the only person I'm amazed you did not add on that list was Jafar. Uh, again, you know, magic, magical properties, Jafar being a wizard. Uh, I, I think, yes, I said wizard, bringing it back. Uh, Jaf I think Jafar could put up a fight, but again, in the end, you know, you, you can't argue with a lightsaber, you know, and, and I, I just think that I don't see any of the villains putting up a good front against a, a good Vader. Well, uh, there you have it. That's uh, we're two dudes, and that's what we think. Uh, so thanks, Matt and Nikki. Uh, unfortunately, there there is no prize uh, for sending in your your question. You get a soft round of applause. Thank you. <laughs> uh, golf clap. Uh, but if anyone else has any questions or, or comments, you know we'd really like to hear them. 
this show is going to change over time. Uh, hopefully, this is our first uh, opportunity to talk to you. And uh, to our fans out there, if we suck, tell us. You know, we, we want to know. And the only way we can make this better and get better is by input from you. So, uh, you know, we're going to wrap it up now. And I'd just like to uh, thank you for listening because we, uh, we enjoyed talking. And uh, in closing, I'm Tony. And I'm David. And we're Two, two Dudes, dudes talking, talking Disney. Have a good night, everybody.